0: Welcome to the Locked on Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Roland. Titans fans, it is NFL schedule release day, so we have a lot to talk about heading into tonight's schedule release. Before we do, want to remind you guys that today's episode of Locked on Titans is brought to you by Built Bar. I have just dove into their peanut butter brownie flavor, and I have been demolishing them each morning and having half of a bar in the afternoon just as a snack. So remember, with promo code LOCKED ON, you can get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com, but we have a lot of scheduled talk to get into. Now, of course, we do already know the opponents that will be on the Titans' schedule, and whether or not the Titans will play them at home or away. Now, that has come out recently in the past few months, but we're going to refresh that right now, make sure you guys know exactly which teams the Titans will be playing at home and on the road going into the schedule release, and then what I want to do is have a little bit of fun here. Inspired by my guy Kyle Sev on Twitter, I want to have a conversation about where I want these games to take place. So primetime games, Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night, when do I want the bye week, what I want the opener to be, what I want the finale to be, a lot of different individual games that could mean a lot to the Titans and the fan base throughout the regular season. So I have a little bit of fun there, a couple games I picked out that I think would fit really nicely either on primetime or in some specific weeks that could have big playoff implications. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the latest rumors surrounding the schedule and how it may be a little bit different than it has been in past years due to the global medical situation going on with COVID-19. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. And then, of course, we will continue our division crossover series and have the finale of that series today with the host of Locked On. Packers. And I'll explain to you guys during our schedule segment why this week's crossover series has become much more important and much more imperative with the news we got about the schedule on Wednesday. So everything is going to come full circle today for you guys. Remember to use code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Also, tomorrow is our Friday show and we're going to be Completed with this week's division crossover series, so we're going to be able to dive into the schedule a little bit more and of course have our Friday mailbag. So make sure you're hitting me up on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. Let me know your mailbag questions. We got a lot today and I'd love to take on even more. So shoot those questions to me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans or put them in the Apple podcast reviews. And if you're going to do that and I do appreciate it, might as well subscribe to the show on Apple podcast. Follow us on Spotify. Spotify or whatever platform that you stream your podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. Next week, we are going to have another division crossover series with the AFC North, who is another division that is locked into playing the AFC South this year. So a lot more content coming up along with our draft prospect deep dives, our draft class reviews. I have a ton of content ready for you guys for the month of May, but today we have a schedule to talk about. Let's get it. Do not know. When the Titans will be playing each of their foes this upcoming season, but we do know exactly who those opponents are going to be and what venue they are going to be playing at. So as we anticipate and wait for the release of the NFL schedule, let's review who the Titans will actually be playing. And they will have home games against the Buffalo Bills, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Chicago Bears, the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, and their three division opponents, the Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Indiana. Indianapolis Colts the Titans will have away games against the Baltimore Ravens the Green Bay Packers the Minnesota Vikings the Denver Broncos the Cincinnati Bengals and of course the three division opponents the Jaguars the Colts and and the Texans, and the NFL puts the schedule together in a simple way. Each year, the Titans will face off against an AFC division, all four teams, and an NFC division, all four teams. This year, that is the AFC North and the NFC North. So the Titans have eight games right there with those two divisions. The next step is to take the two teams in the other AFC division so the AFC East and the AFC West who finished in the same spot as the Titans so that would be second place in the division and that's where you see the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos so that's 10 of your games and then of course the six remaining division games gives you a full 16 game season here is an interesting wrinkle per John Clayton he is now reporting that the NFL will have the Titans play their opposing conference opponents first. So in this scenario, that means the first four weeks of the season will be the Titans against their NFC North opponent. But that makes it very interesting and in how the schedule will actually be set up. So since we don't know right now, let's pontificate a bit about what the schedule could be and i'll give you what i think would be some very interesting games based on when they are placed so since we know right now that It does appear that the Titans will kick off the season playing four straight games against the NFC North. We will pick an NFC North opponent who I would like to see be the opening game of the season. And I think due to where both of these teams got in the playoffs last year, where they sit right now in their trajectory as a team, and the connection between Matt LaFleur and his previous history with the Titans, opening weekend Tennessee Titans at Green Bay Packers in the 425 Eastern Fox spot. It's not necessarily a primetime game, but it is a standalone game and is one of the more watched games of the week, so giving the Packers that that home game to start the year being a historic franchise. It seems like the Titans only get high-profile games against these historic franchises. I think the Titans opening at Green Bay for the opening weekend could have uh, some excellent storylines and be a very interesting game to watch in the 425 window. Next, some primetime games for the Titans. So. What I wanted to do here was make sure I created some intrigue. So I think Monday Night Football, the Tennessee Titans hosting the Cleveland Browns the Titans destroyed the Browns to open the season in 2019 but the Browns are a very trendy team because of some of the players that they have on that roster combined with the Titans garnering more national attention they should garner more primetime games so I would like to see them get a Monday night football game in Nashville Browns at Titans I think could sell and it would be a very exciting game Thursday night football is usually a smaller matchup. I think that the Titans playing in Denver at the Broncos could be very interesting if it's a cold weather game with the Jarrell Casey trade. The Broncos are considered an up-and-coming team with a lot of fun weapons on offense going against the Titans who they dismantled last year and beat them 16 to nothing and caused them to change lineups. I think Sunday night football, Titans rematch at the Baltimore Ravens. Sunday night football is the biggest game ever of the week, so I think Titans vs. Ravens rematch could fill that billing. I would like the Titans to have a bye in Week 11, and it would be nice to see them finish off the season taking down the Indianapolis Colts in Nashville, headed into the playoffs. Before we move into our conversation with Peter from the Locked On Packers podcast, I do want to talk to you guys a little bit more about John Clayton's report that I mentioned earlier in the show and what that really could mean and why. That would be the case. So the NFL typically has the season start off with division games. That's something that they've done recently to add some intrigue or they'll put together some pretty good matchups for week one, at least for the primetime games. But this report, if true from John Clayton is saying, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that the Titans would start off their first four games of the season with their NFC North opponents. And just want to talk about why. Why would they do that? Why does that make sense? And I'll tell you it's the same reason, but two different ways to look at it. So I'll start with the bad news and, the, and then come with the good news. So first things first, the reason that they would do that is because it makes it easy to cancel those games. I try to avoid conversations about COVID-19, the coronavirus, and everything that's going on because everyone comes, not everyone, but most people come here for some sort of escape from the daily life. And honestly, while I'm in the booth talking to you guys, I don't like to talk about it either. I want to talk about, football that's what we're all here to do and it it makes people feel better and it makes me feel better to talk about it as well and kind of get lost in the sauce of of the football team but we can't avoid the reality here that there is the slight possibility that there will be some games missed and if you did have to cancel NFL games you would want to cancel the games that mattered the least to the playoffs and that's the NFC games and this is why tiebreakers In the AFC for the playoffs, head-to-head is number one. Well, none of those NFC teams are going to matter in a head-to-head tiebreaker with an AFC team. Uh, Division record. Well, none of those NFC teams are in the Titans division. Conference record. They're not AFC conference opponents. So basically, the NFC games, the cross-conference games, matter the least when it comes to playoff seeding and playoff implications. So if they had to cancel some games, then they would have to... You know, it would be easiest and it would be best to cancel those games. Also, let's let's talk about it from the positive side and spin it positively. If there's just a limited off season, some sort of condensed off season without a natural minicamp, uh, normal OTAs, a preseason flowing into kickoff. If if they don't have a normal procedure for the off season, well, the first four weeks or the first month of the season could be kind of shaky. It, it could be different. It could be weird. It could be tougher for the players to get in shape. It could be more difficult for things to run smoothly. So if you're going to have some bumps in the road and you're going to have things played in not the most ideal or the most normal climate, then at least let teams play the games that matter the least to their playoff seating and their playoff situation, as I mentioned. It's the same reason that they put those games first so they could cancel them. It's the same reason that they would want to play those first if they do end up playing them. It's just they, they matter the least amount to the playoffs when it comes to the AFC. So that's why it's not ideal, it's not perfect, but those are the reasons as to why the NFL would be looking to do that, but... But because of this new report, and if it does happen to be true, well, that makes this week's content that much more imperative to listen to. We have been talking to the host of the NFC North podcast, Locked on Packers today, Locked on Lions, Locked on Bears, Locked on Vikings to start the week. So we discussed the upcoming matchup and the offseason so far with all of those hosts. So make sure that you check out The rest of today's show where I talk to Peter from Locked On Packers. And if you haven't listened to the rest of the week's show, go back and check those out because that's most likely going to be the first four games for the Titans. And if you're doing that, you might as well just subscribe so you don't miss next week when I talk to the ASC North hosts and, and the Locked On podcast from that division. So make sure that you're subscribed following. Whatever you need to do on the platform you're listening on, make sure you're locked in to the Locked On Titans podcast here with us. We are going to move forward into that conversation with Peter from Locked On Packers next. I've been telling you guys all week about Built Bar, the fantastic Protein health bars that I've been eating throughout the week, not only as a protein bar to get me started in the morning or give me some energy before a workout, but also, I can't lie, I've kind of just been eating them as a snack, like a candy bar here and there, based on the amazing flavor. And right now, I've really enjoyed the, the peanut butter flavor, the peanut butter brownie. Also have been enjoying the salted caramel as well. There's an orange chocolate flavor that I really enjoy, but let's talk about the Taste here. It, it's a protein bar, of course, but it does kind of taste like a candy bar. They have 16 amazing flavors eight chocolate and nut flavors, eight chocolate and nut free flavors for you guys with allergies. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and you can tell when you eat it, this isn't like the processed chocolate that you're used to in your typical candy bar. This is real chocolate with a full bodied taste. It's fantastic. They're soft, they're easy to chew, they have a really soft filling. They're not crumbly and dry like all these other granola bar bars or protein bars and if you give me a moment it's not just the taste it's the they're healthy for you as well it's 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 not sacrificing the the health aspects for the taste it's great for health conscious guys or girls it can help you lose weight but maintain weight too because you can eat something healthy and it does feel like you're indulging on kind of like a delicious treat of some sort the bars are low calorie they're low sugar they're high protein they're high fiber and let me give you two different examples here so if you're getting ready to go pound down an awesome gym session hopefully at home maybe in a in a park in the woods or Something like that right now with gyms the way they are, and you need some extra calories to burn there. Go after the peanut butter brownie, 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, only three grams of sugar, only three grams of net carbs. It's great to get you started in the morning, get you started before a workout. Now, they are delicious and they're tasty so if you just need a little bit of a midnight snack or dessert after dinner or lunch try a mint brownie built bar 15 grams protein 110 calories so lower on the calories since you're not about to work it off and work out four grams sugar five grams net carbs Absolutely delicious. So go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get ten dollars off your first order. So use promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com, and also follow them on Twitter at built underscore bar for all of the latest offers and flavors from builtbar.com.
1: Tyler, it's good to be with you. Thanks for being on Locked on Packers.
0: Yeah, not a problem at all. Uh, Glad to be on here and and discuss some upcoming football. It's a nice change of pace from everything going on.
1: It is indeed. I think that's part of our role around here is to to try and give people a little bit of an escape. So let's do that. Uh, This is a a matchup, if you will, of two teams that I think in 2020 are going to be a little bit of the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. I think they're going (laughs) to be a lot of focus on the run game um, and and then play action into a, an offense where, you know, you're you're hoping your quarterback can can just sort of make the throws that are there and then every once in a while create off schedule. That's what Aaron Rodgers is best at. And that's what Ryan Tannehill, I think, showed a, a real alacrity with last year um, in in what was a, a career season for him in a lot of ways. Just top line. Uh, this was a, a pretty quiet offseason for the Titans after the Derrick Henry um franchise tag situation so is there is there anything else that that you think fans might have missed if they're not paying close attention to what's going on in tennessee
0: well i think the one thing about the titans first off and foremost is they're not a very nationally recognized team i'd say they're one of the least covered or least talked about nfl teams in the league so i think a lot of the players on the titans who are very solid to very good players aren't seen in that vein because they just aren't covered that way so I think generally what's missed about the Titans not just this offseason but for the last few seasons at least since general manager John Robinson took over the team in 2016 is the quality of the middle of their roster a lot of people are surprised by the Titans uh, relative success over the last four years going 9-7 and seven, two playoff appearances uh, three playoff wins I think people are surprised but the depth of the middle of the roster and the talent there like a Jay on Brown for example as a pass coverage linebacker someone like daquan jones as a nose tackle defensive tackle someone like kenny vaccaro uh, as a strong safety there a versatile safety and even someone like a dory jackson who uh, was just picked up his fifth-year option over the weekend at cornerback, Uh, a lot of these players in the middle of the Titans roster, Jonu Smith, another, for example, are very good players and very good starters at their position, but they're just not well-covered players. So a lot of people just miss, I guess, the depth and talent that's actually on the Tennessee Titans because, quite frankly, it's the Titans and they don't get a lot of coverage.
1: And obviously a lot of people got to learn last year how wrong they were about some of that stuff that they didn't, they, they, they were sleeping on the Titans in a lot of ways because this is a good football team. I think Mike Vrabel is a hell of a coach and I don't look at this roster believing there's any reason to think that they're going to be significantly worse in 2020. You know, you lose Jack Conklin, obviously that's, that's a, a major problem for them, but uh, you're going to have Derek Henry back. You assume Ryan Tannehill in year two now under this system. And Mike Vrabel has built a culture there that looks like it can carry over. Am I am I on base here? Do you think? I mean, it, it, did they did they have major losses that, that I'm missing? um I mean not
0: necessarily I, I wouldn't say major losses I mean a lot of Titans fans would would tell you that Jack Conklin of course was a major loss uh Logan Ryan and then the trade of mm-hmm. Jarrell Casey sent a lot of people into a tizzy because right. he's been di- one of the only stars that gets national recognition on this team for about a half a decade so there are some some pieces to replace there that you could say maybe would set you back but the reality of the situation is to despite Logan Ryan and Jarrell Casey and Delaney Walker being fan favorites, they were declining players. Their players, despite the statistical output we saw from Logan Ryan last year, he struggled in man coverage. He can't play press coverage. He relies on his IQ and kind of playing, uh, forward dropping back in a zone and being able to play forward rather than be able to match and mirror a man and man coverage and things like that and the NFL is just going towards press man coverage to deal with the speed and the talent on the outsides and Logan Ryan is not that kind of player and we're seeing him not get a lot of traction in free agency because he values himself and his statistical output in a certain way that other teams look at the traits you know a scouting issue there and say, hey, he doesn't really have what we need in a corner right now. Delaney Walker had had lost it due to his injury in 2018. He wasn't able to be on the field, stay healthy, or produce. And Jarrell Casey, despite being that reliable player for a half a decade, unfortunately, he did not have a good season last year. He played well at the end of the year and into the playoffs, which got the fans on his side again, but he did not play well. And having Jeffrey Simmons, a first-round pick from 2019, fully healthy and able to now transition into that penetrating three-technique role for the Titans, I think that's actually going to be an improvement for them. So despite losing some big names, at least to the Titans fan base, I think the reality is those players were on the backside of things, and, and going with a youth movement at those positions, cornerback, tight end, defensive line, is the right move and will help the Titans uh, you know, go to the next level that they need to get to, which is something the Packers are obviously trying to do as well.
1: Well, and you mentioned the, the comparison there. I mean, I think internal development is another reason to be bullish on the Titans. I mean, if you think A.J. Brown takes a year to leap, I mean, you could be talking about one of the best five to eight receivers in the league in 2020. And, you know, there Rashawn Evans is an ascending yes. player, and I absolutely loved the Christian Fulton pick. I won't be surprised if he is starting over Malcolm Butler or Adoree Jackson, frankly, by Halloween. I just think he's a really good player who is already, you know, pretty pro tested because of the teams that he got to go against in the SEC. Um, also a really good athlete. I, I, the the draft for them was a mixed bag to me because um, I didn't love the Isaiah Wilson pick. And I think that the, the Darrington Evans pick was a little early. But given what their, their roster looks like, I guess I understand from that standpoint. From the draft, and, and I'll ask you that, is there a, either a player I didn't mention or one of these guys who stands out to you as someone who is most likely to come in right away and compete? Does Isaiah Wilson come in and win that starting right tackle job?
0: Uh, well, I think that that's a fair evaluation of the Titans draft. And I think whether this draft works out or not will depend on how early isaiah wilson is able to contribute and what he is able to contribute because most people throughout most of the draft process had him as a third round maybe late second pick and then all of the sudden about three weeks before the draft you started hearing the buzz of isaiah wilson to the titans and now it's he's a first round prospect so most people who are iffy on the titans draft it's because of the isaiah wilson pick and the titans did resign valuable swing tackle dennis kelly to start at right tackle. Uh, That's a thing that good teams do. They make sure that they aren't, you know, pigeonholed into taking one position in the first round in the draft. They try to, you know, have some depth there so they can take the best player available. And I think that just with the Titans' style, they went with Isaiah Wilson. But to kind of get into one of your questions in the middle there about who will contribute right away. So I understand that uh, Evan's, Darrington Evans, the running back out of Appalachian State, that you saw that as a little bit early, but the Titans didn't have a fourth-round pick because of uh, because of the trade for Ryan Tannehill. So to me, it may have been a tad bit early. He may have been more of a fourth-round value, but not having a fourth-round pick and not being able to pick again until the fifth round and not really having the assets to be able to move up into the fourth round and get a talented running back, I think Evans is actually the rookie that will contribute the most the quickest because what he gives the Titans from a complimentary standpoint to Derrick Henry is exactly what they need for their offense to take another step here because the Titans don't. Derrick Henry is a great running back, but he doesn't have the ability to run a full route tree as a running back. Angle routes, you know, getting out into the flat quickly, maybe a wheel route, a seam route. Derrick Henry's not running those routes. He can catch a screen or maybe a swing pass and, and get up field quick, but he's not. That's pretty much the only two routes he's running from the running back position. And if you want to have a versatile offense that can compete every single Sunday, you have to have the ability to to be multiple on offense, and if you have a back in the backfield who can only run two routes or be viable on two types of passing plays, you're not going to be able to open up your playbook fully, and that's going to limit you against certain defenses where you need to do that. So Evans is going to be able to contribute in special teams as a kick returner, which the Titans haven't had an impact kick returner in quite some time, and he's also going to be able to spell Derrick Henry. It's not just about his his skill set complementing Derrick Henry's, but he's also going to be able to spell Derrick Henry because I think he's a talented enough running back. Where he's not just um, put, he's typecasted into the receiving back secondary rule. I think he can run the ball as well. So keeping Derrick Henry healthy and fresh and then add into the addition of the other side of his skill set in the receiving game and the returning game. I actually think Evans is exactly what the Titans needed, and they had to take him in the third round because they didn't have a fourth round pick. So taking him there and the type of impact that he'll have on the offense and special teams, I think it I think it was worth it. So I respect your evaluation there. I just think what he gives to the Titans specifically makes him more valuable than maybe he would be to other teams. So I think Evans is an instant impact guy for the Titans and will will um, give them more than I guess people are expecting from a third round running back.
1: Yeah. And everything you just said is, is why I think that we saw Dion Lewis in 2018 more than maybe people thought that we should. And, and after watching and studying Matt LaFleur's offense that year and, and watching them in 2019 he values that versatility and being able to be a factor in the run and pass game, which you know is not something that that we can say about Derrick Henry to the same degree. Uh, I want to ask you about the offense here uh, in my my last little bit for you, because what we saw from Ryan Tannehill feels very, very much like something that is unsustainable. Certainly, at the level to which we saw it last year, it, it seems. Pretty obvious to me he will regress in some form or fashion in 2020, but the question is how much? So from your standpoint, when you're looking at what this offense can be in 2020, how much of it does fall on the shoulders of Ryan Tannehill to produce at the level that we saw him last year?
0: Well, I think that you're right. Uh, I think that's an absolutely correct evaluation that there will be regression i mean the way that he played last year his yards per attempt i believe it was like 9.5 9.7 led the league led the league in passer rating ryan Tannehill isn't a top five elite quarterback in the nfl i think titans fans know that but even with regression could he be 8 to 12 somewhere and if you have we saw with this the san francisco 49ers last season that you can have an um, a mid Upper tier quarterback somewhere from eight to 14, like Jimmy Garoppolo typically plays when, when he's playing well. And you can have a solid cast of characters around them with a very solid defense and you can win football games and get to the Super Bowl that way. In my mind, there's, there's different ways to skin the cat in the NFL, but you either have an elite quarterback who makes everybody else better, or you have a very, very good supporting cast who can make your quarterback a little bit better when he needs to. And I think that we've seen both versions of that work very well. And I think Ryan Tannehill can kind of bridge the gap between what he did last year and what he did in Miami and kind of give us a happy medium of that that is sustainable for the Titans, and that will allow them to continue to be playoff contenders. And if you get hot like they did last year, you may be able to ride that momentum all the way to a Super Bowl. So I think he can be the quarterback under center who gets the Titans to the Super Bowl, but that will be contingent upon the fact that they continue to have a great supporting cast around him, asking him to be prime Aaron Rodgers or prime Pat Mahomes or prime Tom Brady who lifts the guys around him. That's not necessarily going to be a great situation either. So as long as they understand in the front, office which I think they do that you will need sufficient talent and a sufficient offensive line around Tannehill and not rely too much on him then this model can be successful going forward
1: all right we're going to flip the script coming up here when we get back I'm going to get into the hot seat Tyler will ask me the questions and we will get to that coming up right after this guys
0: and gals Start the competition today with the people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club's pick for May. Then, any time in May, post a picture of your mom and you Holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at the Alka Joshi. A donation of four meals per post up to 10,000 meals will go to Feeding America. So guys and gals, buy The Henna Artist today at your favorite bookseller including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target. And make your mom the ultimate winner in your family. Alright guys, we are back with our crossover conversation with Peter from the Locked On Packers podcast. Just had him asking me some questions about the Titans, asking about the team and what I've seen from the season so far. So we are going to flip to the other side of the conversation here and I'm going to ask him some questions about the Packers and Peter, obviously, I, I have to start off with the hottest offseason story around the Packers right now. And I know a lot of it is just conjecture. A lot of it is just speculation but from your perspective following the team as closely as you do what is your feel about the team and Aaron Rodgers response to that Jordan Love pick which personally I'll just say I don't think it was a bad pick but you know obviously that's the biggest topic surrounding the team right now just what's your blank slate thoughts on that draft pick
1: I don't know. Are people talking about this? Is this a thing that other people are a little bit on the back
0: pages? It's a seven, eight page story, but some people are really deep on Reddit, find the
1: people on uh, talking about Jordan love. Well, that's what I appreciate you about you, Tyler. You are always going to dig deep and find the real story. No, of course this is like the most talked about the Packers draft has been probably since 2005. Ironically Uh, that, that was the draft of course, where they took Aaron Rodgers and, and had Brett Favre on the roster. I've been I've been honestly struggling a little bit since it happened to make sense of it. It is still very surreal to me to think about uh the the thought process that went into it. I think a lot of the fan reaction to it has as much to do with the the idea of the end of Aaron Rodgers' career as it does to anything about Jordan Love the player. I mean, I think almost none of the reaction to the love pick has anything to do with love and everything to do with the end of the Aaron Rodgers era, the, um, the the faults that I think it brings up in the team building and the coaching over the last decade, that is that is what this pick is really about for fans because if if the Packers are good with Jordan Love, none of this matters, right? I mean, that that is the point for Brian Gutekinds to make the pick saying, look, we don't think as a team that over the next few years, we will be in a position to draft a player as good as Jordan Love And so we have to take that opportunity here. Every front office pays lip service to the idea of best player available. And the Packers put their money where their mouth is.
0: Well, I I think that makes sense. And, you know, we saw with the Eagles that they made a move similar to that taking Jalen Hurts. So I actually, like I said, I I don't think it's a crazy pick. It's some of the picks that came after that that I think are more... Mm -hmm reprehensible someone like A.J. Dillon someone like Josiah DeGura when I look at the Packers uh, their team as it stands right now and in my personal mock drafts leading up to the draft I thought that they could go with tackle very early especially with someone like Ezra Cleveland on the board who fits that outside zone scheme that the Packers run as well as the the Titans run so Titans fans should understand what they're trying to do there I see a, a concern with Rick Wagner coming from Detroit as a free agent and his ability to hold up for an entire season and and produce the way that they need him to. And I don't really see anywhere in the draft where they tried to improve that spot or get some young talent in to compete. John Runyon, in my opinion, profiles as more of an interior offensive lineman. So I guess, do you think I am wrong about Runyon or any other prospect that they brought in? And do you see on the offensive side of the ball that, uh, you know, the offensive line maybe hasn't given enough love this off season?
1: I think Brian Gudekinst looks at it from the standpoint of he's willing to to go whatever avenue is necessary to improve that position. This is not the Ted Thompson era anymore, where two years before a guy is up, you draft someone understanding that when you when that contract becomes up, if you haven't signed it already, that you're probably done. And the the, the Packers didn't do that with Brian Bulaga. They didn't plan for his departure because Brian Gudekinst. Felt like he could go out in free agency and get an offensive tackle to sort of serve as a stopgap. I I was surprised that Ezra Cleveland was not in play. I was surprised that Josh Jones, for example, fell as far as he did. Those were guys that I thought were legitimate first-round options in Green Bay and, and ideally suited to the kinds of things that they want an offensive tackle to do. I think you're also right to point out that Runyon is most likely an interior player. The the comparison I've been making is J.C. Treader, a college offensive tackle who ends up profiling potentially as a center in the NFL and and could take that Corey Lindsley spot. His contract is up after 2020. I I, I was surprised they didn't use higher draft capital to um, address it, but I think they're comfortable enough with Rick Wagner at right tackle that they felt like adding skill talent and whether we can we can quibble with the value that they got there but they added two skill position players on day 2. I think their priority was get some talent there after after the Jordan Love pick. They didn't like the value at receiver apparently and and so they went with players that they felt like can help build this team in the in the image that Matt LaFleur would like to have moving forward.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I agree that that's probably their thought process going into it, whether it will work out. Of course, that's why they play the games, but transitioning yeah. into the defensive side of the ball, obviously the Packers defense performed pretty well for most of the year last year, and despite the embarrassing effort against the run in the NFC championship game against the 49ers, I think that the Packers defense is a very solid unit. Do you expect this group on the defensive side of the ball to continue to improve, or do you think that maybe they they took a step back with some of the losses they had in free agency where, where do you see the progress of the defense right now
1: no I think this is a defense primed for, to, to make another step forward I mean they, they finished uh, 10th in DVOA against the pass uh, this past season that is Mike Patton's focus you know he had the, the great quote during the season it's it's a lot faster to fly to Miami than to walk And so, you know, you can you can get beat a lot faster through the air than on the ground. Now, of course, that means don't be historically bad at stopping the run as they were against the 49ers. I mean, if you're going to give up eight, nine yards a carry, that's that's a really bad passing defense, much less run defense. So, you know, when you look at over the course of the season, the Chiefs had a worse run defense for the year than Green Bay did. But against the 49ers, Kansas City played better. So some of this just comes down to what happens between the lines on Sunday as well. Uh, The the young talent on this Packers defense, I think is what is what has me and a lot of fans really excited. Darnell Savage in year two, Jair Alexander in year three, Rashawn Gary in year two. So Smith and Preston Smith came in and inexorably altered the course of this defense from a cultural standpoint and just purely on a, a a talent standpoint. So, a lot of of what they're building here on defense I think you have to be really excited about I like the Christian Kirksey signing um still a young player and someone who fits their culture so I think this defense can be even better you go from you know a, a middling level defense by DVOA 15 16 17 which is what I think you know they were they were last year most of the season and then you, you, if you can take that step into you know you're a 7 8 9 I think that would be huge for this Packers team, especially given that they didn't do much to address the skill positions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. And it'll be very interesting. Like you said, just to go full circle, like you said at the very beginning of our conversation, the Titans and the Packers are going to be a NFL version, living version of the Spider-Man point meme. So both of those teams are in a similar spot, not only their scheme on offense and defense, but obviously where they're at as a team. And I feel like there's some unrest in the fan base in this offseason as well. So I guess my question is whenever the Titans and the Packers do end up facing off next year, what do you see as kind of the 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 points where the game will sway one way or the other? What do you think of the big X factors in that matchup going going into that game, even though we are months away from it actually being played?
1: Well, I mean, I think the the big thing is: can you can you stop the the Titans from being able to fully control the game on the ground? This is going to be a, a question any time the Packers take the field. Teams that can control you on the ground are going to be able to stay in the game against Green Bay because they're willing to say, if you want to run it, run it. And it, in a perfect world, Mike Patton is saying. If you want to run the ball, run the ball. We're going to create turnovers. We're going to create negative plays. And we're going, to, we're going to not give up the big play. Now, for too much of the season, they were giving up big plays still. That's the way that he wants to play. Well, that's all, that's all well and good. But if you can't eat your vegetables on early downs and stop the run on early downs and it's third and three, third and four every time, or you're turning second and four into first and ten, then it's really hard for that pass rush to ramp up and get after quarterbacks, create turnovers and do all the things that this defense is built to do. The Packers are going to have to do a better job just not letting teams dictate tempo to them on the ground.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They want to be the one kind of uh, making the game go the way that they want it to go, setting the tempo, setting the tone. That's again, that's a similar move to the Titans. If they can play their game, they got a pretty good chance of winning. And if they play someone else's game, play the game on someone else's terms and get out of what their style and their personality is, it's going to be tough to win. So I agree with you there, but I do look forward to that matchup. I do have a lot of close family members who are big Packers fans. So I happen to have good, uh, Packer discussions quite often but this was one of the better ones I got to have Peter it was great to talk to you
1: You too and, and tell your family to listen to Locked on Packers
0: They do actually they do they do I'm I'm from a big sports family and I have some uh, some close Packer friends and family who do enjoy the show I I try to support the network as much as I possibly can even outside of the Titans fandom
1: well, I appreciate that. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward already to us previewing this game. I'm, I'm you know, chomping at the bit to, to get a chance to talk about actual NFL football live on the field. Hopefully we get a chance to do that sooner rather than later.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait to talk to you again in season when the week comes that we actually do play to dive into all of it.
1: Sounds good, Tyler. Talk Have soon. A good one.
0: All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Peter from the Locked On Packers podcast. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I think it would be uh, a pretty cool opening game to have the Titans play in Green Bay against the Packers in the 425 window. So, of course, that is on top of all of the other little predictions, not predictions per se, but I guess just my personal preference of when the Titans could play, what games, and what big primetime slots they could get into and against too. So we went over that to start our show to get ready for the schedule release tonight. On tomorrow's show, of course, we are going to break down the schedule. We'll go week by week, analyze exactly where the Titans are playing, when they're playing, and what that could mean for their push to the playoffs we also tomorrow as i mentioned at the beginning of the show have our friday mailbag so again i will tell you guys follow me on twitter at tic tac titan send me your questions there and then you could also if you wanted to put a question in the reviews on itunes i will check that out as well either way make sure you follow me on twitter make sure you subscribe to the show for that schedule breakdown tomorrow and the division crossovers we have coming next week. I have prospect deep dives coming in May. I have draft class reviews from John Robinson coming in May. So a lot of good content coming your way this month. So make sure you're locked into the Locked on Titans podcast. But that is going to do it for me today. Now that you are done with this episode of the Locked on Titans podcast, tell your smart device to play the Locked on NFL Draft podcast. I'm a draft junkie, of course, as you guys know, never too early to start on draft preparation or continue breaking down what happened in the 2020 draft. Still a lot to analyze from a national perspective. So check out that show now that you are done with this one. But as always, I am your host, Tyler Roland, and this is was locked on titans